Welcome to Talking Mopars, episode number 168. Man, it has been a while, and I will explain everything and talk about where we're going moving forward with the show. (laughs) Oh, man, the amount of people that reached out to me going, Chris, what is going on? Where are you at? Are you still alive? What's happening, brother? Um, Wow, the outpouring of people reaching out to check on me was unbelievable. I assure you everything is as okay as it could be. (laughs) But we're going to talk about all the latest happenings since the last time that I talked to you guys. I got a new project car. I had a lot of drama. Um, Of course, muscle cars at the strip, project cars at the strip. And, you know, where, like I said, where we're at now and where we're going from here. So, Without further ado, if you are a Mopar enthusiast, then you are in the right place. Don't go anywhere. You're tuned into the best Mopar enthusiast-driven podcast on planet Earth. And I am your host, Chris Albrecht, better known as the Mopar Hunter. And this is Talking Mopars. You're listening to Talking Mopars with the Mopar Hunter, your direct connection to all things Mopar. The A833 is the famed four-speed found in our beloved Mopars from 1964 until 1979. I have one in my 72 340 Roadrunner, and when it was time to get my shift together, I reached out to pass in performance. So, if you're rebuilding your A833, need parts for it, or if you're looking to leave it in the hands of a professional to rebuild it for you, look no further than Passon Performance. Jamie Passon is an expert when it comes to these units, and I highly recommend heading over to PassonPerformance.com to get your shift together. All right, guys, welcome back. Let's rewind back to the end of February, right before I really started getting crazy about getting ready for muscle cars at the strip. So, as you all know, I failed miserably at the challenge and the roadrunner was nowhere near getting complete. A lot of it was my fault and I know I've talked about this before. The planning and execution of that project was just done horribly and that's all my fault. But um one big problem that I had and I know I spoke about it a little bit on the show was that Facebook owed me thousands of dollars and they weren't paying me which Ended up with me selling my van, regrettably, and then they ended up paying me last minute, and it wasn't enough time to get the rest of the parts that I needed to haul the Roadrunner, well, to finish the Roadrunner, and then to haul it down to Las Vegas for muscle cars at the Strip, specifically the amazing sideshow of muscle cars at the Strip, known as Project Cars at the Strip, which was a huge success, and we'll talk about that in a little bit. Um, So yeah, the Roadrunner didn't get finished. And I just got, it was like a punch in the gut knowing that I had failed and I had an opportunity to get the Mr. Norm truck back. And I don't remember how much I told people about this situation, but a lot of you saw what transpired online between myself and the son of the guy I got the Roadrunner from who I traded the Mr. Norm truck to, um, (laughs) everything got blown up publicly I'm going to I'm going to lay it all down right now here in the next couple minutes. So this is what happened. When my friend Pete died, the guy who I traded the truck to, 
his son reached out to me after a brief period of time and basically said that he was going to give me the Mr. Norm truck back. Now, at first, the wording in his messages to me was literally that he was going to give me the truck back because it belonged in the hands of its quote unquote rightful owner. Okay. So of course I'm in shock and I'm just thinking to myself, wow, that's so generous. And I even asked for clarification (laughs) and I got the clarification and I reached out to several friends, my wife, my dad. And I just said, let me see how you guys interpret these messages. And although their opinions may be biased, um, it was kind of clear that I was going to get the truck back for free. And the thought of that, I realize is insane, but incredibly generous. So, you know, I moved forward thinking that <laughs> by some miracle, I was going to get the truck back and get to keep the Roadrunner, which, you know, looking back, do I think it sounds ridiculous? No. Do I think it sounds unrealistic? I mean, there are some generous people in this world that really do care about cars and, you know, I don't want to, I don't want to badmouth the kid, you know, even though he hates when I call him the kid, I I found that out. Uh, he finds it insulting, but I'm sorry to me, you're a kid, (laughs) but, um, his name's Jake. Okay. And, you know, now that it's all water under the bridge and I've given up on ever getting the truck back and, uh, that I have, I hold no, you know, ill will or hard feelings towards the kid. Really? Um, I'm just disappointed in how it all went down. Um, when it came down to me getting the truck back, it came down to money. And basically when we basically uh, were trying to figure out when I could come get the truck, he said to me, you know, well, you know, basically how much money are we talking here? <laughs> and, uh, you know, I, we all know what I valued the truck at. I valued it at between 20 and $30,000, which to a lot of people, most people, if I'm being honest, is insane. But I wanted to get what I thought it was worth. And I wasn't willing to part with it unless I got that. And um, the deal that I made with his dad, Pete, rest in peace, um, was a a great deal um, on both ends, if you ask me. Uh, So I explained to Jake that it was a straight trade. There was no money exchanged. And, you know, I, I told him what I thought the truck was worth, but I didn't have that money. So I made him an offer of almost every single penny. And I'm not exaggerating here. I offered him $4,000 for the truck. Now, on the surface, that seems like an extremely low ball offer considering what I thought the truck was worth. Here's the thing. I didn't have that money. If I did, I would have gladly handed $20,000 over to the kid so that I could get my truck back. Um, instead, I offered him everything that I had in my bank account short of, you know, like 200 bucks. It's like, I had 4,100 and, you know, change basically. And I said, I give you $4,000 for the truck in hopes that giving him something, everything that I had at the time, um, would be enough to make it happen. And it wasn't. And I guess he listened to one of the episodes of the podcast and he got pissed off and thought I insulted him and thought that I was insinuating that he, um, didn't appreciate the collection his dad put together, which was not the case. If that's the way it sounded, it was not meant to be that way. Uh, I basically said, I hope he appreciates the collection that his dad put together because it's an amazing collection, you know, but we'll see how much of it gets sold off. I hope that he enjoys it all, you know, including the Mr. Norm truck, you know, even though he doesn't know anything about it, (laughs) you know, but that, that was me taking a little bit of a a stab at him. (laughs) Um, He went online 
after I gave him the offer and basically posted his own ad um, about how. And let me just say that I was willing to help him sell the truck. I was willing to give him all the specs, everything he needed to know about the truck. I even had some cool things that I was willing to give him um, for the truck. But, you know, he decided <laughs> to instead blast me online and say how much I insulted him with my lowball offer. And, uh, you know, I was insulted. You know, that was insulting to me, um, especially since it was a private conversation that we had. But uh, I aired it all out. I said, okay, well. If he's going to go ahead and do that, then I'll just post all the messages so that people don't get it twisted and people can decide for themselves what they think. Um, I've always been a straight shooter and uh, the kid really did me wrong. You know, had he reached out to me and aired his grievances, we could have talked about it like men, but <laughs> he did something that I would expect an immature young man to do. And that's unfortunate because I think I lost a couple friends in the process who took his side, even though there's really no sides to take. <laughs> He wanted money for the truck. I didn't have the money. I gave him an offer. He said, no, cool, let's move on. But instead, you know, he took a different route and, you know, I, I could have handled the situation better myself, but that's not the way it went down. And like I said, I think I lost a couple friends over it, which is unfortunate, but, you know, I'd rather not have them in my life anyway, if they're like that. So screw them, screw him. <laughs> and uh, <laughs> I, I hope the Mr. Norm truck finds a good home, no matter where that is. So you know, was that, uh, was that a little harsh? Could I have handled the situation better? Sure. Um, but you know, I, w I wish the best for the kid and, uh, you know, everybody else involved in the situation, but the, the hatchet's buried on my end and, uh, the Mr. Norm truck is not coming to its rightful home. <laughs> you know, it sucks, but, um, it's cool. I'll, I'll, I'll build another tin grill down the road sometime. But uh, for now, I got I got projects now. So I got the Roadrunner still. I know a lot of people are doubting, you know, where the Roadrunner is and if it'll ever get finished and yada, yada, yada. That's another thing. <laughs> you know, I said I just said I buried the hatchet. Well, it's not quite true. Somebody told the kid that I was putting really, really cheap parts and I was building this car as cheap as possible, <laughs> which is not true at all. I wish that was the case and I wish I didn't care that much. But um <laughs> that was insulting too. So there's that. But, you know, I'm still planning on building the Roadrunner and getting it on the road. Um, I'm just really far behind on my schedule, the way I had it planned out and mapped out in my head. But don't worry, I'm still moving forward with that project. But, you know, when that was all said and done, I still wanted to get to muscle cars at the strip. And I'm actually glad I didn't get the truck because if the kid had accepted my $4,000 offer, I wouldn't have been able to afford to pay for the fuel to get to Vegas in the first place. So um, it, I guess it all worked out in the end. Um, I did have the four grand and I still managed to make it to Vegas and I bought another project car um, that I actually took to Vegas and I have zero regrets because it was a blast. I went out. So I saw an ad on Craigslist for a 69 Dodge Dart that was F6 green. Okay. With a blue top, not a, a blue vinyl top or anything. It was a blue top. Like the vinyl top had been peeled and there was B5 blue underneath, which I thought was crazy. So I see this thing posted for like 8,500 or something, something like that. And then, uh, I see it again posted for 5,500. And at this point, I realized I wasn't getting the truck back. So I reached out to the seller 
And I said, uh, Hey, I'm interested in the dart. And then he reached back out and told me that, well, he already had a buyer for it and that the deal was going to probably go through, but that he would keep my number just in case it didn't. And I said, that was fine. So lo and behold, a week later, he says, Hey, the deal fell through. I still have the dart if you want to come look at it. So after work, I, I didn't want to hesitate on the deal. Like usually when it comes to going and looking at something, I, I'm horrible about waiting until the last minute and then losing out on a good deal or a good opportunity or wishing that I had went and looked at this vehicle. Um, but this dart, I was like, ah, oh, there's something about it. <laughs> so I ended up going after work and checking it out, taking it for a spin and realizing that, uh, I really wanted the car. It's a 69 Dodge Dart custom, just like the one that I sold a few years ago and, um, in a really cool color. Um, and it turned out to be a white hat special. And this guy had all the documentation. He had the original purchase order. He had the fender tag, the build sheet. He had all the factory documentation. He even had the factory service manual. So I've got uh, um, an owner's manual, the uh, factory service manual, and all the other documentation. So I took it for a spin and I realized, wow, this thing runs pretty good. It took one pump of the throttle and it cranked right over. Little 273 car automatic on the column, uh, white bucket seat interior, black carpet. Um, just, a, just a really cool little dart. So I made him an offer and my offer was $4,000. We settled it like 4200 or something like that, 4400 um, I think it was 4,200. I don't even remember, uh, at the moment, but it was just over four grand. So I, I couldn't pass up on the deal. We shook hands. I got him the cash, went and picked up the car the next day and, uh, took that car to Vegas with my dad for muscle cars at the strip for project cars at the strip. Um, what a fun time. Uh, my dad and I have never been to one of these events outside of my home state together and he's never gotten to see what I do out there. And I thought it would be great to get that father son time, you know, especially since I lost my mom last year, I realized, you know, I gotta, I gotta spend more time with my, with my dad, <laughs> you know, especially since he got me into these cars, I really wanted him to see, you know, what it's like going out of state and going to one of these events and just seeing how fun it is. So we loaded up the dart on my trailer, took my truck and we did basically a 24 hour drive from where we live up in Washington down to Vegas. Um, Nevada is a desolate wasteland. <laughs> I'll say that. My God, that drive sucked. We went from Western Washington into Eastern Washington into Northeastern Oregon into Southwestern Idaho into the top of Nevada. And it was the most boring drive ever. <laughs> um, but we made it to Vegas and Matt's was awesome. It was unbelievable. I've only been going for the past three years. So I think three years, something like that. Anyway, it was th this Matt's 2023 blew all the other muscle cars at the strip events that I've been to out of the water. It was great. And who knows? Uh, it was promoted really well. And it also coincided with the Roadkill Nights Dodge Last Call event that was happening on that Monday. So the following Monday, Dodge came in and revealed their last call challenger, which was the Demon 170, which cool car. Um, probably talk about that at a later time, my opinions on it. Um, I think they could have done something different, but hey, I'm not going to complain. It's a pretty cool car. 
fast as hell. Um, I did not stay for the reveal um, because I decided not to go home the way that I came into Vegas. I decided, uh, my dad and I both actually, we uh, brainstormed over it and we thought it would be better to go back into California and then go up I-5 um, just because of the time constraint and uh, the possibility of inclement weather going over the few passes um, getting back home into eastern Washington. So we decided to go I-5, but muscle cars at the Strip, what an event. I had all my friends there, <laughs> almost all of them. Um, but uh, quite a number of them there. Um, what a blast. So shout out to all my friends. Um, I Here's my biggest regret about Muscle Cars at the Strip. I did not spend any time on the drag strip watching drag racing. And that was a huge disappointment. But there was so much to do other than that, that I just got carried away with hanging out with my friends and having a good time. And my dad made the greatest cameraman. <laughs> so that was awesome. Um, Project Cars at the Strip, huge turnout. Uh you know, for the first year, um, event within an event, um, it, it was awesome. We had well over, I, I think I counted like 25 or 30 cars, maybe even more than that. But, um, anything over 10 cars I thought was a success. And we had well over that, um, over double that. So that was just a hell of a lot of fun. It was a hell of a lot of fun participating in it. Even though I wasn't in the running for winning anything, we did get, the championship belt. Unfortunately, the week before the event, I reached out to the company that was manufacturing the belt and they said, oh, hey, sorry, we were about to email you that we don't have any gold plates available. And I was like, excuse me? So I had to make a sacrifice and go, okay, just what plates do you have? And they had silver plates. So the winner of this year's Project Car Challenge for Project Cars at the Strip won a silver <laughs> championship belt, which still cool. The gold would have been a little bit cooler, but unfortunately we couldn't make it happen. It's the same price, but, um, it's not like I was paying any more for the gold, but it would have been nice to have it. Um, unfortunately that's not the way things turned out, but next year will be a gold belt. Um, and let's talk about project cars at the strip for a minute. Uh, great turnout. Like I said, a lot of my friends showed up. So shout out to everybody that showed up to project cars at the strip. It was awesome. And, uh, hopefully this next year in 2024, if we do it again, hopefully it'll be even better and more organized. Um, this year you guys can blame me. I dropped the ball. I didn't think that I was going to have to judge the thing. <laughs> um, but at the last minute I was told that I was going to be a judge for it. And like I said, it's all my fault. I should have been more organized with it, especially since Phil painter of muscle cars at the strip kind of put the ball in my court to handle all that. And at the last minute I decided that I didn't want to judge uh, the event because I, I felt that that would be unfair and biased and I didn't want to have to pick between my friends, to be honest with you. So at the last minute I had Mike Musto, who you guys probably know from the house of muscle. He owns, uh, Mr. Angrier, <laughs> the, uh, charger Daytona clone. Um, you probably know, uh, Mr. Angry, the 68 charger from bull run, um, the Goldberg show from way back in the day. Um, Mike Musto's definitely made a name for himself now. I think he works for Hemmings and he's got his own, um, podcast now, but, uh, we were able to pull him in and have him judge the event. Um, I just, you know, thank you to Mike for stepping up at the last second when he didn't have to, that was, that was awesome, but, uh, it could have been handled a lot better on my end. So, um, that was a, a big regret of mine of the show. 
aside from not watching any drag racing was that um, I didn't have project cars at the strip as organized as I would have liked. Um, there was just so much between the between my Roadrunner and helping create graphics for project cars at the strip and muscle cars at the strip and the special celebrity guests. I just got overwhelmed with work and I, you know, I just got a new job at work too at my day job. Um, that's been a little bit more taxing on me. Um, so, I mean, excuse after excuse, right? <laughs> but, uh, I just, I now know what I want to improve for next year. So if you did go to muscle cars at the strip and, and, or, participated in project cars at the strip. I, I more than want your opinion on what I can change to make it better. How can we judge it for next year? And maybe even some more criteria of how to participate or what it would take to participate. But overall it was good. We did not end up doing the Vegas Boulevard cruise, which I really wanted to cruise these cars down the strip. I thought it would have been a lot of fun next year. I plan on making that happen. And now I have a whole year to figure out how I'm going to make that happen. So um, as far as muscle cars at the strip 2024, I think project cars at the strip number two is going to be there. Um, so look forward to that. I, I know I am, um, and, and planning is going to get started for that here pretty soon. Um, but, uh, yeah, my, you know, I could have, I could have really done a better job. Um, but, uh, it's been a long time since I organized an event, um, even one on such a small scale as project cars of the strip. Cause in reality, you know, even though muscle cars of the strip is a huge event, a ton of aspects to the event, um, and project cars being such a small aspect of it. Um, I still could have done a lot better. So, uh, lessons learned. Um, and, uh, it'll be back, uh, better and hopefully bigger than ever. So, um, I'd like to give a shout out to Phil painter for giving me the opportunity to be part of muscle cars at the strip and uh give give me and my love for project cars a little bit of a platform and all my friends the opportunity to come out and uh show off our shit boxes <laughs> what a great time um i got to ride in a couple cool cars uh not just my 69 dodge dart which did run and drive off the trailer um but uh i got to ride in johnny mopar's 68 charger that was a hell of a lot of fun um so thank you to johnny for that uh one of the highlights of the weekend, in addition to Johnny's charger and all the other fun stuff, was that Mike Coffey, <laughs> legendary Mike Coffey, took me for a ride in his 71 Hemi Barracuda. Now, <laughs> if you know Mike, you know this guy gives zero fucks. <laughs> and we took that thing out and we left the show and outside of the speedway, let's just say we had a great time. There is video on my Facebook page. <laughs> I took a live video. I was live when we went for this ride. And I'll tell you, Mike Coffey drove that car like he stole it. Um, he was slamming gears so hard in that thing that at one point during a power shift, screws and dash particles <laughs> came flying in my face. Um, but a hell of a lot of fun. The whole event was just a blast. I had a golf cart. And like I said, all my friends were there. You know, I had my buddy, Matt, that's big block, my co-host for talking paranormal and host of big blocks garage, Blake from DIY Hemi, also known as sublime technologies. Um, obviously Johnny Mopar, Ruben from muscle city madness 
And I, I mean, I, oh my God, <laughs> I see I made a mistake. I started naming people and now I'm going to feel guilty for not naming everybody. Um, we had Vanessa from Five Point Parts, formerly an employee of Wildcat Auto Wrecking. Jeremy McDonald from Shade Tree Vintage Auto. We had um, Matt from Rolling Heavy Magazine. Rolling Heavy Magazine was there. Um, best magazine on planet Earth, I'll tell you that. <laughs> um, his girlfriend, Nicole, was there. Um, obviously, my dad, um, our buddy Sean from Arizona, uh, he was there as well. Um, gosh, oh my God. Now I'm going to feel like a complete dick if I don't <laughs> everybody. Um, Anthony and Madison. Um, gosh, now, now, of course, I'm drawing a blank. This is great. This is fabulous. Um, my friend Bill Adams, who's part of Muscle Cars at the Strip. Um, Phil and Jill Painter. Uh, see, I totally made a mistake. I shouldn't have started naming people. Um, and everybody else that was there, shout out to you as well. Um, now I feel guilty. <laughs> But uh, I guess you can't make everybody happy, right? But ton of my people showed up. And again, shout out to everybody that participated in Project Cars of the Strip. What a fun time. Uh, Chris Birdsong was there. I didn't even get a chance to talk to Chris Birdsong. Um, I, you know, I love drag racing and I don't participate in it as much as I'd like, but I'm starting to fall in love with autocross. I can't lie. It looks like a blast. So Hopefully in the future, I can build a car that kind of serves multi-purposes. I would love a car that I can take to the drag strip and have some fun on the autocross. So that's something that's on my mind. But um, yeah, so I've got this new project car, you know, and the fact that I could drive it around at Muscle Cars of the Strip was <sighs> nothing short of awesome. Um, it felt really good to at least participate in the event. And you know what, when I got down there, got the dart off the trailer, was driving it around, I really had no regrets about not bringing the Roadrunner because I was thinking about it. And I knew that one part of the Roadrunner that probably most likely, even if everything else had went as planned, that was not going to get finished was I probably wasn't going to have the side windows in it, um, which would have been horrible <laughs> on that drive. So with a car that nice, I really feel like the only way to bring it to an event is to haul it in an enclosed trailer, but maybe that's just me being a pussy or something. I don't know, but, uh, I, I'm glad everything worked out the way it did. And I'm really happy with this dart. And Jeremy from shade tree vintage auto actually pointed out to me that the car, the car has been sectioned. So the roof and basically the ass end of the car are a different dart. And he got underneath it. And I didn't even think about it when I was underneath the car looking at it. Um, but he's like, you know, this thing was a 344 speed dart at one point, like this back end. And I said, uh, how do you figure? And it's got torque boxes. And I didn't realize that only 344 speed darts had the torque boxes. So I imagine the big block darts would have too, but uh, I haven't done that much research. But uh, yeah. Sure as anything, um, the car's got torque boxes on it. So the car that was sectioned onto the back half was a 344 speed dart. Um, I guess we can assume. So that was something I learned. <laughs> so my car has been sectioned um, and I'm not even mad about it. I love that car. Um, it's just so fun. I ended up before I took it to Matt's, I wanted to do a couple things to it. So um, very last minute, I found a set of small bolt pattern Craigers locally. For I forget how much the guy wanted is like 450 or 500 bucks. I gave him 400, called a deal, um, bought some uh, some 
BF Goodrich TAs for it. So it's got 14 inch craggers on it. Um, put new shocks in the front, air shocks in the back, and uh, pretty much just got it, got it ready to go. Got it a little bit tuned up and uh, sent it on its way. I didn't even clean the car. It's still got cobwebs in it, <laughs> but um, I, I just wanted to bring something down to mats and I did. So that part of the mission was accomplished, I guess. But um, yeah, the, the dart is, uh, it's nice because it runs and drives. So I'll have something to cruise around while I still build the Roadrunner, but I've already got plans for the Dart. I really want to put the modern Hemi that I have. Um, I still have the 2012 5.7 from the Ram. Um, I've got that uh, and some parts laying around for it. So I really want to put that in the Dart and I kind of want to turbocharge it, maybe even twin turbocharge it. So I'm doing some research. I might put a forged rotating assembly, just a drop in piston and rod kit in the car so it can handle some boost. And then, um, put together a turbo kit. So uh, I'm looking into that. Um, I keep hearing that these Hemis can produce some big power with a little boost. So uh, I'm doing some research, seeing what I can do on a budget, which isn't much, but hopefully we can make it happen. I also, speaking of budget, uh, I lost monetization for Facebook and Instagram. So a lot of the money that I was using to have fun is now gone. So I need to figure something else out. So I guess if you want to help support Talking Mopars, go to TalkingMopars.com, go to the merch shop and buy a shirt. <laughs> uh, it was a cheap plug there, but um, I lost a huge revenue stream. So I'm trying to figure that out right now, but uh, that's something you guys don't need to hear. <laughs> but uh, yeah, moving forward. Um, oh, one more thing about Muscle Cars of the Strip. I have, my dad was my cameraman and all weekend long, it was like my GoPro was glued to his damn hand. So I have hours of footage to go through. My dad did an amazing job and he had a blast. Um, he got to meet all my friends and stuff. And uh, I'm so happy that my dad got to go and I hope he gets to go again. I'd love to have him come next year and uh, enjoy the show again. Like I said, Muscle Cars of the Strip 2023 was awesome. It was off the chain <laughs> and uh, I can't wait for 2024. Um, but uh, moving on, um, I've been doing a lot of thinking, and uh, it may be time to rebrand the show. I don't know if the name Talking Mopars is sustainable. Something in my gut tells me that if the show continues and, you know, God willing, it gets bigger, that Ma Mopar might come around and ask me to shut it down or at least stop using the name Mopars. So I'm thinking about different names and it's really killing me because I really like the show. I like the name of the show and the show really wouldn't change. It would just be a name change. And I hate that. I really hate that. So I've been contemplating some different names. I'm not going to share them here yet, but uh, I haven't found one that really, really stands out to me. And that's really bumming me out because I'm usually pretty good at naming things. Um, but I guess lately my creativity has kind of gone down the tubes um, as far as naming stuff. So if you have any good ideas of what I should rename this show, please let me know. Um, I'm willing to consider anything at this point. I have a name that's in my head. My wife does not like it and I do, um, but I'm not quite ready to reveal what that potential name is because I really don't know if I'm going to go forward with it. 
if mom Mopar ever came and put her foot down and said, you know what, stop using our name. Um, you know, I might just shut the show down altogether and start fresh. But, uh, for right now, I think we're going to run with talking Mopars and just see where it goes. Um, I just, I really, you know, I know a lot of people are looking for an explanation, like, where have you been? And to be honest with you, I just needed a break, you know, so much stuff going on in my personal life, lots of deaths in the last year or two. I just found out another relative of mine died. So it's just, I just keep getting hit from all sides. You know, life sometimes just pisses in your Cheerios. You know what I mean? And, um, everything's going good. I shouldn't really say that everything's bad or make it sound like everything's bad. I just get overwhelmed. And that's exactly what happened with the project cars at the strip, muscle cars at the strip, the Mr. Norm truck, the road runner, um, getting rid of my van. Let me talk about that for a second. So Facebook ended me, ended up paying me my money, right? And I sold my van before that thinking that they weren't. And the only reason I sold my van was so that I could buy more parts for the Roadrunner in hopes I could get it ready for muscle cars at the strip. So essentially, what what it all boils down to is I sold my van for nothing, and now I don't have enough money to buy it back. So I'm pissed. <laughs> I lost my van. Um, and I don't know if you've looked at prices of vans lately, but they're not exactly cheap, especially for what I'm looking for. So that's unfortunate. But um, I did find another one, and I'm considering looking at it. I just don't know if I'm ready to drop money on... Uh, another van at this point. Cause I still have some parts I need to buy for the Roadrunner, And everybody I talk to says, quit taking on more projects than you can chew. <laughs> I know exactly what you guys are saying. And that's why I bought the dart was because it runs and drives. So I can enjoy that while I build the Roadrunner. So adding another project to the plate might not be the smartest idea, but what can I say? I'm addicted to projects. Um, I've got shiny object syndrome, even though most of the objects I'm into are rusty, <laughs> you know, I don't know. It's, uh, just the way I am, I guess. But, um, one thing I've been considering about the show, you know, aside from the name changes, I've been considering, um, doing a seasonal format. Now that may bother some people because <laughs> I know there's a lot of people that reached out to me. I was surprised, but, uh, they're like, look, man, I relied on your show to keep me entertained during you know, the week, every week. <laughs> and now they don't have a weekly show, or at least they haven't for the past couple months. And, uh, I realized, wow, people really do enjoy having this show weekly. So I've been trying to figure out how I could do it seasonally where there's still consistent content being provided. And the only way I could think of it was that I start pre-recording shows and, in between seasons, and I don't know how exactly I would lay it out, but in between seasons, I would basically be clipping old episodes of the show and doing best ofs, um, just to kind of keep the content flowing in between seasons. But, you know, it may end up being better content, you know, as far as um, during the season, if I have the ability to concentrate on a series of maybe three months worth of episodes, you know, three months on, three months off type thing. I'm not quite sure like I said, how it would be laid out, but something like that. Um, it's just something I've been kicking around. Also the bonus videos, podcasts, and giveaways for subscribers. They're definitely coming back. Um, they really haven't, uh, I mean, I, I didn't give up on those entirely. I told people to stop subscribing and there's, I still have a bunch of supporters. So I'm like, all right, I can't obviously leave them hanging. So don't worry all the supporters out there and subscribers through Facebook. Don't worry giveaways are coming back. I'll be making it up to you guys. And obviously bonus podcasts and bonus videos will be out shortly. 
Um, <laughs> once again, behind big surprise, Chris. Um, but yeah, I just got the beginning of this year. It seems like every year I get hit with some shit, <laughs> but, uh, these past couple of years have been especially rough. So it's time to pull myself up by my bootstraps and get back on this horse and give you guys the Mopar content you've been waiting for. So I've got some people that I've reached out to for interviews. I've got some topics that I've been waiting to talk about forever. Um, so that's all coming up, but, uh, this was the reintroduction to the show. Um, and I hope you guys are looking forward to the new episodes as much as I'm looking forward to recording them. Like I said, I just needed a break. You know, every once in a while you hit, you hit, I don't know, a wall. And, uh, I hit that wall and this time I hit it really hard. I've never taken such a long break from the show. Not that I can remember anyway. Um, but, uh, I needed, I needed to be re-energized and now I feel re-energized and just being behind this microphone, talking to you guys and, uh, getting some stuff off my chest. I feel like that's been done. So I appreciate you guys listening to me stand on my soapbox tonight and, um, the show's coming back. It, it is back. <laughs> so, um, I'm planning on having some guests on a live here. That's one thing I haven't done in a minute is a talking Mopars live. Um, the last one I did was with, uh, my artist friend, Thomas Estrada, who unfortunately didn't make it to muscle cars at the strip, but is still producing amazing art. So definitely go check out Thomas Estrada's work. And, uh, you can find him at art of Thomas Estrada. Um, but yeah, I, I, we're back. So um, the next show is probably going to be a live episode with some of my friends that joined me at Muscle Cars at the Strip just to talk about the event, talk about what's coming up. We still have Holly's Mo Party coming up later this year. The duct tape drags are coming up this year. Um, and then possibly one more event that I'm going to try to get to in November. Um, like I said, Facebook basically cut my nuts off <laughs> when it comes to monetization. So I don't know if all the events that I wanted to get to this year are going to happen, but um, definitely Mo Party and Duct Tape Drags. I'm going to do everything I can to make those two shows happen. Um, and then we'll see from there. But uh, that's it for tonight, folks. Thank you for joining me. And I guess Talking Mopars is back. No Mopar left behind. There you have it, my friends. Another episode of Talking Mopars is in the books. For everything you need to know about the show, you know where to go, TalkingMopars.com. And you can reach me by emailing Chris at TalkingMopars.com or by leaving me a voicemail on my voicemail box at 209-28-MOPAR and you just might get to hear yourself on the show. So keep sharing those Mopar stories with me and anything else that is on your Mopar addicted mind. Before we shut this podcast episode down, I want to give a special shout out to Pass and Performance. For all of your Mopar 4-speed A833 needs, Visit PassInPerformance.com and let Jamie help you get your shift together. Also, special thanks to my friends at DIYHemi.com. For those of you that don't know, Blake has rebranded DIY Hemi, so although the website is still DIYHemi.com, DIY Hemi is now Sublime Technologies. So if you've been considering swapping a modern Gen 3 Hemi into your classic Mopar, then reach out to Sublime Technologies, get a hold of Blake, and tell them that I sent you. Blake has supported me from the beginning of this show, and I also support him in his mission to Hemi Swap the World. 
Also, don't forget how important it is to keep your Mopar protected from the elements. If you need protection, don't wait. Head on over to TalkingMopars.com, click on the Affiliates tab, and go get your Mopar covered today. That's it, my friends. Until we talk again, I am your host, Chris Albrecht, and that was Talking Mopars. Thank you for listening to Talking Mopars, your direct connection to all things Mopar. Until next time, remember, no Mopar left behind.